0: Hey, everybody, it is Tuesday, this week in startups, we have another really interesting guest for you today.
1: That's right. Another information reporter just (laughs) uh, happened to happen back to back days that we have an information reporter on the show today, we're going to be talking about Facebook's roadmap for their AR and VR devices.
0: Sylvia Barnum-O'Regan joins us to talk about her breaking story about Meta's new VR product roadmap, Uh, TLDR, lots of VR product It is a lot. Of headsets. It's also uh, a very interesting interview about the entire Reality Labs division and the overarching vision, and whether like work really will get us to wear these things all day.
1: It is a huge uh, division for Facebook. They now have taken over Burlingame Point, uh, an area just below San Francisco here, with 750,000 square feet of office space, and they're getting back to the office. And this is uh, a major project for Facebook, obviously. Uh, And then we're going to talk a little bit about the SEC rebranding their crypto department and making some new hires to do more enforcement in the wild west of crypto.
2: It's going to be a great show.
1: Hey, stick with us.
2: This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Squarespace, turn your idea into a new website. Go to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code twist to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And Embroker, Embroker's startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at inbroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday here at This Week in Startups. Molly, we got a, we got a packed show and a, and a guest right off the top of uh, the, the day here. So our, why don't you introduce our guesting and let's get to it.
0: Our love affair with the information continues today. Great reporting, <laughs> Great reporting from the information, fulfilling the mission today Uh, We have a great story, actually. We had The Verges, remember, Alex Heath on a few weeks ago after he broke this story that Meta was going to release two virtual reality headsets by 2024. Well, today, there is an amazing update on that from The Information's Sylvia Varnam-Oregan, who joins us right now, who just broke that Meta actually now plans to double that number. She's doubling the scoop (laughs) and release four headsets by 2024 uh sylvia is currently a tech reporter at the information like we mentioned and previously reported at the real deal it was a freelancer and has the masters of journalism from columbia which is why she's <gasps> crushing it <laughs> in the Thank journalism you. department yeah. Yeah. what'd Appreciate you find out that
3: well um yeah the story is based on an internal roadmap so facebook maps out its product releases and these roadmaps can be um they can be stuck to, or they can be more aspirational. So I think it's a time will tell whether they meet the timeline on this one. But what this roadmap shows is that they plan to release a high-end headset this year, which is publicly known, and then two more Quest headsets over the coming two years, and then another version of this high-end headset, which is known externally as Cambria, but internally it's codenamed Arcada in 2024. So that's quite an ambitious timeline because they want to essentially release a sort of high-end product followed by a more accessible, um, lower-cost product, and so on and so forth, and get into that cadence of regular releases in the same way that, say, an Apple does with its phones.
1: Hmm. All right. So uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming. I think it'd be good to educate our audience a little bit on each of the headsets and the markets and the use cases. And I think sure. starting with the most expensive one and the most tricked out one would be a good way to or the most ambitious one. Now, is, would I be correct? That's Project sure. Cambria
3: is the most ambitious and expensive one? Yes, that's Project Cambria. And so that one, which is due to come out in uh, around September, according to my reporting, um, that one is a more high end premium product. So at the moment you have the Quest 2, the Quest line, and that's a lower cost product. And Cambria, they haven't publicly said what the price of this device will be. According to my reporting, um, sources said it would be around $7.99, but I met a Meta spokesperson said, and this is in the story, that it would be significantly higher than that. So watch the space around the price, but we know it will be more expensive than the Quest line. Um, and it looks and-
1: a little different, correct? So um, we're looking at an image here for people who are listening. Right. Um, yeah. And so mm-hmm. it. Has uh, the the quest everybody knows? It's um, uh you can't see through it. It's the white one. It's the one you play Beat Saber on, and it, it's delightful for VR. And like, what does that go for now? with three hundred bucks? It's incredibly yeah, it's affordable. Mm-hmm. It, right? You don't have to connect it to your phone. This one's going to be upwards of did you say seven ninety nine seven ninety nine eight
3: hundred dollars. We don't know the exact yeah. price, right? But it will be more and than eight hundred dollars according to to Meta. Got it.
1: So. This one looks more like ski goggles that you can see through or partially see through. Am I correct?
3: Right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. so it has the battery at the back, according to our reporting, and that's a that's oh. a departure from Quest. So it's um it's it's probably going to be more balanced um hmm. to wear, and maybe you could wear it for longer. But yeah, I mean the main um selling point of this device is that it um has full color pass-through. So you're able to, um, you know, pass through is when you can step outside your, your VR environment and have a real time view of, of, of your surroundings. So mm-hmm. that's, um, that's quite advanced technology. And this device is offering it in terms of use case. It's, um, it's being marketed or pitched by Facebook as a device for the future of work. And Mark Zuckerberg spoke about this in earnings last week. He talked about it. Um being a replacement for the laptop, right? So you can use it ideally to uh, use email, to code, to um, attend virtual meetings. And, you know, this idea that um, we will be working in a different way in the metaverse, that's core to the sort of whole idea of the metaverse. And so uh, my reporting showed that people inside Reality Labs, which is the division inside Facebook that does this work, does augmented and virtual reality uh, refer to this device as like a laptop for the face or a Chromebook for the face. And the right. Chromebook reference is about it being um, sort of a relatively low power device. And, you know, the laptop for the face, the whole idea of it is that it's, it's going to be used for work and could, um, according to Mark Zuckerberg, replace the personal laptop if there's a lot of adoption, which is what they're hoping
0: for. Right. And you should take credit for that scoop. right? That was new in your reporting, this idea of the the kind of the Chromebook for the face. But won't it also, didn't you also report that it'll run Meta's own operating system so that it won't necessarily be interoperable with <laughs> all the existing apps that we use for, I don't know, work?
3: Well, it doesn't run on a meta operating system. It will run on, um, on Android. Um, mm-hmm. I did some reporting previously about Meta's efforts to build its own operating system. So that's (laughs) a bit of a segue. But they did have Mm -hmm. a team working on building a custom operating system. And that project was actually shelved. I'm not sure if if they'll pick that back up again or where that is. But most of their devices run on a customized version of Google's Android OS. And that has been something that Facebook has wanted to to move away from or it wanted to because it wants to own more of the underlying technologies that power its devices. So um but but I think the, the question, Molly, about what it will be compatible with, I think is is touched on in the story and is somewhat open-ended because we don't know how it will function with say certain email providers. And um I think I think we we just have to wait and see what, what it can and can't do. But it will certainly be you'll certainly be able to access workrooms, for example, which mm. is um Facebook's, which is the um the virtual meeting um feature that you can currently use through Quest 2.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean the I think the Chromebook, having had an addiction to Chromebooks and obsession with it for a couple of years until Zoom took over. And Zoom yeah. It doesn't play nicely in Chrome. Um, mm-hmm. it, the delightful part about Chrome, and we moved our entire company to it for a period of time was it was so fast and distraction free because you didn't have to download any apps, you basically just used any everything in Chrome. So we used to use Slack and Chrome, Spotify and Chrome, everything in Chrome. And when you get off a of Mac, and you're no longer having iMessage and iPhotos and, you know, email clients pop up and you're managing all these apps and you just manage Chrome, your life experience becomes very simple because it doesn't crash. It's fast. It's easy. Um, but you lose a little bit of you know when a, when an app is really nicely designed, like Zoom, I guess, or resource intensive, like Zoom, might be better. So my guess is they have a Chrome browser in here, which Android has a really good one, and it right. just you're gonna you're gonna pop up Chrome windows, so and when you look around, you'll have a multi monitor setup, and if you're at a cafe, you'll be sitting there looking like. An idiot moving things in the air, typing a virtual <laughs> keyboard that doesn't actually exist. You're going to look crazy. Mm-hmm. Everyone and else will be doing it too. can't wait for, for these videos next year <laughs> when people are using <laughs> these things on airplanes or just, yeah, people are going to be well, in the park with a also, headset on.
0: I mean, this question of ecosystem, though, does harken back to the reporting that suggested that Meta is going to take a 47% cut of the apps that are sold potentially on these devices, right? I mean, there is some economic reason for them wanting to have what might end up being a closed ecosystem.
3: Right. And I, I mean, the story touches on the business model of these devices briefly and, and speaks to the fact that uh, Meta doesn't make money that we know of on hardware on, on the sale of Quest devices. So yeah. the business model is around um, they take a, they take a cut from the app store and they might build out an advertising business, but around it, although that's you know very very early stages, there's no real activity there, and so yeah, I think there is a there is a question around how do they um, how do they get a lot of people using these VR headsets for a start, and and what are the economics around it? What's the what's the business model that's going to to make this um, profitable for the business? And Mark Zuckerberg said in earnings last week that. It was going to be a long time before they did contribute um, in a meaningful way to the business's profit because it's such a long way off that these um, many roadmaps come to life. He said that we're laying the foundation for an exciting 2030 to give you context about the kind of time that he's looking at for this whole suite of hardware products to actually um, come to life and, and be widely adopted.
1: Listen, when you're a founder, it's fun to trade your craziest stories with other founders. Recently, Balloon CEO Amanda Greenberg, one of my portfolio companies, told me how Vanta's SOC 2 solution helped her save an important deal in the final hours. Yes, Balloon sells SaaS products and collaborative software. And when they needed 10 documents in place within 48 hours to close a deal, well, Vanta saved the day by supplying customizable templates for Amanda to fill out and helping them through the process all the way to close. So if you don't have your sock too tight, you can't close major customers like this. Vanta's compliance software makes it easier to get and renew your sock too. they continually test against technical and non technical sock to requirements. They partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta and on average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And guess what? Vanta's is going to give you $1,000 off right now for your SOC 2 because you listen to This Week in Startups get that $1,000 off right now. Vanta.com slash twist v a n t a dot com slash twist. Once again, Fanta.com slash twist for a thousand dollars off. What what do you think the tipping point will be in adoption for these? Because clearly on a price basis, they're somewhere in the range of a pair of, you know, nice headphones for the quest, uh, to, you know, the cost of a, a cheap iPhone uh for this Cambria. They're obviously super affordable now. People are starting to buy them, but they kind of try them and and then they sit on a shelf a whole lot. So is there a tipping point that they believe or you believe or, or that the industry and the back channels believes will be the tipping point where more adoption will happen or adoption could spike? It seemed like they thought Beat Saber or some of these exercise games would be it. And I, I guess to a certain extent, they have uh, a lot of people tell me they've tried it, but it doesn't seem like people are staying in there very long. So is there some agreed upon or, you know, um, Back channel on what will be the tipping point in terms of adoption here, killer app, etc.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great question, and I will say that i I've been doing more reporting around AR and VR, but I'm by no means an expert, so I'm always asking these types of questions myself. Everyone I talk to to better understand the lay of the land. And um, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they work in VR at Facebook, please reach out to me. I always want to <laughs> talk to you guys about how people inside the company think about that. My no. DMs on Twitter are open. Call but, me um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but Facebook doesn't release sales figures. But uh, an executive from Qualcomm said last year, late last year, that I think it was 10 million units had shipped um for Oculus. So mm. you know, it's there. There was a there was apparently also a spike in interest around uh, in the pandemic, and and you know we're, we're definitely seeing an upward trajectory from 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 that those figures. But at the same mm. time. It's still pretty nascent and I, I, I do wonder myself what will be that deal breaker or whether there will be one. I think if you look at the roadmap, that can kind of tell you a little bit about this, right? Because they want to, um, they want to both innovate, but also access a, a wider market. And so by both developing these high end products, which, um, allow them to experiment and innovate with the technology and make it more advanced and then releasing these products that are more accessible. It's a a different way of coming at the same goal, which is getting more people engaging with the technology. And so, you know, Quest was priced lower so that more people would would buy these devices in the same way that Xboxes um, don't make money for the console because they just want to get more people buying them, but Mm. they make money in other ways. So yeah. will an uptick in production and, and and releasing more of these devices, will that move the needle? You know, I'm sorry yeah. to be one of those people well, that ask a question and, and answer to a
0: question. but Well, no, I mean, um, I think it's, I think the jury's it's not out. even there's sort of there's there's sort of two parts of this, right? There's one releasing more devices and, and maybe creating that. But there's been a lot of dunking on Zuckerberg for this very boring vision of the metaverse. It's all about work. But it seems to me that that actually that's what we spend the vast majority of our days doing. That is a use case that could be pretty obvious for uh, both people and companies. You could see companies maybe wanting to pay for this. You build in a market if you can make it a thing that you would wear all day for work. That might actually be the strike of boring genius or the stroke of boring (laughs) genius like Microsoft style.
1: (laughs) He's been obsessed with Microsoft since he was a kid. I mean, he, he basically modeled his entire career on. Um, Bill Gates is dropping out of Harvard, starting a company, having control over it and then copying other people's features and never getting disrupted. That was his always obsession is to never be disrupted like Microsoft was. So it would play that he's always wanted to have a, an enterprise play, right? He had that f- Facebook for work. I forgot the name of it. I don't know that ever anybody ever really embraced oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, the not competitor, that. it nobody mm-hmm. really ever, I don't know if that even got released. Uh, oh, Spotify uses it, uh, I say. Um, so that I thought that was very weird. But I do think that it needs a killer app, you know, and because the prices to me, at this level, are already de minimis. They, so they've already reached a price. 800, 1800 is nothing for a business per user, mm-hmm. if it gave any kind of value, people pay $1,800 for many different enterprise applications a year. So it's nothing. Um, and then for consumers, two or 300 bucks, 400 bucks for a quest is also nothing. They pay three, four times as much for their phones or iPads. So they've already reached this level of, uh, they're essentially free to American, uh, business customers and free to America, most of Americans in terms of like the ability to absorb the cost of it if it provided any value. So what's the use case? I gotta think they have, uh, some belief that the desktop replacement you know, where you can pop up your full, big, huge desktop. And then I got to think they have a a Zoom-like feature because they keep showing Zuckerberg in meetings or card games or something like that. So (laughs) I wonder if in business, if they make a really good app, it would be better than doing this Zoom call, you know? Would be better, you know, Mm -hmm. than going to the office? So maybe the work from home thing becomes wind in their sails and people want to have something between the coffee room experience at work previously and a Zoom call, you know, something a little more fidelity walking around in a virtual office. It seems dystopian to me, I'll be honest.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to ask you guys, what do you think about the idea of of having a VR device r- replace your personal laptop? Would that Would that be something that appeals to you? I know that I've heard inside Facebook that people are being encouraged to, to take meetings virtually and to u- utilize mm-hmm. that technology. But I mm-hmm. think there is a bigger question about how much will will we embrace that shift toward a very different idea of virtual work that goes beyond just what we're doing now, you know, like a, a video call into something more um, sort of embodied and-
1: um, I would intense, love to be on a frankly. plane and put that headset on and have like six windows and, you know, be sitting in my seat, but I'd have, you know, my email open, my Slack open, be able to see everything. And anywhere mm-hmm. I go, my desktop just pops up in front of me. But then I can opaque, you know, if somebody comes up and starts a conversation with me, I make eye contact with them, it just, the opaqueness goes down, you know, 80%, and I can see through my email into the person, or I'm driving, myself (laughs) driving on the 280, and my email box is in front of me, and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, just plowing through and dispatching emails (laughs) while driving up the 280, and I've got autonomy,
0: it autonomy, autonomy like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, like, I mean, don't those wear are well pretty driving.
1: compelling, you know, you're, you're on barb yeah. or something. I mean, you have an 800 dollar device on your face.
0: Think about the like devices that we use and how much they hurt our body. I'm so ready to get rid of my phone. I really am sincerely like get this form factor okay. away from me. I want it yeah. on my face. Like I'm wearing readers anyway, put it right in here. Or the idea of of being more kind of mm. mobile and not tied to a thing in a meeting, if I'm wearing an AR headset, assuming that it's light enough and comfortable, I I actually can see that bringing a lot of value and the space factor, like just having this instead of all the I'm looking at right now. Yeah, it yeah. could be really compelling. What I think really holds me back here is the fact that that Meta is going to want to own this ecosystem that Meta is going to be the one potentially on the hook for designing. Like, just, we don't need a new killer app. Like, just be open to the killer apps that already exist and let them be on your platform. Yeah. And then we can all get to work, maybe.
3: Well, the other interesting part is that they're facing more competition, right? I mean, Apple is developing a rival headset. We don't know exactly when it's supposed to come out. The the information, um, Alex Heath, actually, who you mentioned before, he previously worked at the information and reported a story last year about About that headset, and I think at the time it was anticipated to come out in 2022. But Bloomberg recently reported that it might be it might be later, it might be next year. But I think that will be really interesting to see what they come up with because it's you know not much is known about it. But in that prior information story, um, it was reported that it was there were talks internally about that costing around three thousand dollars. So you're looking at potentially a very advanced product, and of course we've seen Apple. you know, have such market dominance um, in other areas with other devices. So it will, be, it will be really, really interesting to see what they come up with and how, how these rival devices like um, from ByteDance or from Facebook stack up and how that market really shakes out as it does gain more interest and, and more users.
1: Yeah. We've got some exciting news for this week and startups listeners right now. We're going to give one twist listener $1,000 in Squarespace credits. We want to show off the best web design from all of our listeners in the This Week in Startups family. And it can be anything, an amazing landing page, a feature flow, a design aesthetic. Here's how you can apply it. You just head to showusyourspace.com, and that's going to redirect you to a tweet from me, at Jason. You reply to my tweet with a short video, image, link, GIF, or anything that shows off your space. Then team and I will feature the best submissions here on This Week in Startups. I'll pick one winner and give them a $1,000 Squarespace gift card. Now, your product doesn't need to be built on Squarespace, but, yeah, that's going to help a little bit. We've received so many awesome submissions. Check out this submission by Twitter user Steph Nass called OpenVC. You can find them at OpenVC.app. Basically, it's a global search index for VC funds by stage, sector, location, and check size. For example, if you're a Sweden-based enterprise SaaS startup with early revenue looking to raise between one and five million, when well, you can put all that information in in your search, and it will give you a list of firms you should reach out to. What a great idea! Nice job. And don't forget, you can get ten percent off at squarespace.com/twist by using the promo code TWIST. I mean, the prices have come down enough. The technology is getting there, the platform is, you know, you have some user base. So the idea that you would actually fund a VR startup today, you know, there was a lot being uh, funded four or five years ago, people were losing their minds in the VC community setting up Oculus and buying gaming PCs. And it was like, took two hours to set up. And now your quest is on your face, and up and running without an iPhone, right, you can just use it with the, just the device. And that's up and running in 10 minutes. So it, it really has just if you look at that one change, the setup time and the cost, you were talking about four or $5,000 to create a VR setup that now five years later is $300. You're looking at five hours of like getting it online and setting it up and now five minutes. So if that happens one or two more times, this thing gets cheaper, faster, better, easier to use. Uh, I could see, right. you know, there could be some adoption here and it's got, if it gets lighter, yeah. that's the other great If It gets one. lighter
0: how do you feel about the timeline our our nodies are saying they think that this seems really aggressive 2024 for a release of a device like this but i don't feel like these devices look that the far a- off are you from about the, the ar price. device molly no i'm talking about the cambria yeah cambria version two codename name fun since slated to come out in 2024 is that yeah i don't feel like that's so far off from oculus
3: um wow well, right i didn't notice all these notes um <laughs> how do i feel about the timeline
0: it's well, cool i'm watching i'm watching them <laughs> you don't have to read them
3: <laughs> this is cool thank you everyone for listening um i yeah i like i said i mean i think the the timeline is ambitious and i think we've seen from facebook that these timelines um are sometimes not met i mean they said that themselves in in, in a a spokesperson said that and it was referenced in the story that these timelines are often shifting as as they develop these devices. And of course, COVID and, and supply chain issues cropped up last year. And so yeah, I I mean, I think we just need to keep an eye on it. I don't personally have an opinion about whether they'll be able to meet it, but I I do think it's very, um, it's very, it's an aggressive timeline. And I can see why they would want to get into that cadence. But the reality is, building hardware products is extremely complicated. And, and um, I should,
0: yeah, I should clarify too. I said 24, but they're talking about version one in the fall. This year. And then year. another one, and then another this year, right? And then right. another, 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 yeah.
3: Right. The, the two after that were, according to my reporting, um, are quests. So, yeah, it's one Cambria Got 2022 and then and then a, a follow up version in 2024. Um but yeah I mean the timelines on their other devices the AR glasses that Alex reported on um the smartwatch that they're developing um the Ray-Ban glasses that I previously reported on these these products have all been delayed the roadmaps have all been pushed out so
1: is that because I don't of, know what will happen um, with these internal ones. Facebook uh, delays or is it because of supply chain mostly or some combination yeah
3: <laughs> um i think it's a combination of a lot of factors mm-hmm. yeah i do think that you know supply chain issues but also um yeah, yeah i mean there's a whole whole lot of layers i don't even know if i want to the facebook hazard people a who
0: <laughs> really see, just see now about you're a... making it interesting okay sorry <laughs> well no but for the well, just uh, I'm, because I'm d- i mean it
3: depends on who you it depends on who you talk uh, yeah, to and yeah, perhaps yeah. i don't mm-hmm. perhaps i just don't have the um internal insight to be able to capture the full spectrum of of issues there. But yeah, I think it's very complicated. And I did, I do think that at least with Cambria, that that COVID played a role.
1: I'm just curious, um, as a reporter and dealing with Facebook versus Apple, obviously, Apple super secretive, people don't talk uh, to reporters all that much. Facebook seems pretty chatty, and they seem to be releasing a lot of information and confirming stuff and, you know, responding to your questions about stuff. So uh, is, is Facebook like actively engaging and trying to share this information do you get the sense
3: um and being a little bit more
1: engaging you know let's say
3: well i mean i so i'm a beat reporter covering facebook so i talk to people at facebook all the time on the communication side every story that i do i tell them from top to bottom what i'm going to be putting in the story yeah um and just to be clear for the listeners that's not you're not Reading them the story, you just, you're just telling them the main point so that they are aware of everything that's in it, that there's no surprises and that they obviously have a chance to respond. That's so important to, to what I do. So they, they don't proactively come to me with these stories. They're not mm. saying, Hey, write a story about the roadmap, right? Because yeah. they don't discuss, um, internal products or, you know, the unannounced products. They, they don't provide that level of detail. And so they would never mm. do that, but. If you go to them and you say, here's, here's the, this, this is what I'm working on. They have the option to say, uh, we, we are just going to not engage on this one, or they might provide a statement or they might, um, provide something on background as you saw in the story. So it's, um, it's not, it's like not a statement, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a paraphrased comment from a spokesperson. Um, uh. So they, yeah, they, they engage and I, you know, I have a good relationship with a lot of people at Facebook because as I said, I talk to them all the time and I, and I have to talk to them about every story that I do. But, um, so, so they engage, but I, you know, I, I just want to be clear that they, they don't proactively seek you out so that you can tell these stories.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless they are leaking it on purpose, which I guess is possible. What's the motivation of the people, in, you know, for the audience here who are curious, what's the motivation in your mind for the people who work at Facebook who leak stuff like this?
3: Ooh. Um, that is also a very good question. I think, I mean, you're talking about a huge company for a start, you know, there's many, many, many thousands of people. So I wouldn't want to present them as a monolith. Um, Mm. And I think, I think everyone has different motivations. And in fact, I I must say, I do talk to a lot of people at Facebook, but I don't often, I don't often get meta with it and say, Mm. why are you talking to me? (laughs) You know, probably because I don't want them to Mm. go Hang on. Why am I talking to you and then (laughs) (laughs)
1: flee? I just
3: just like, let's just keep talking and not discuss it. Um, I don't know. You know, I think some people that some people, as as you saw with Frances Halgen, right? She was very public about feeling dissatisfied with the company, feeling that it put profit over people. So sometimes the motivation is clear. Sometimes it might be more um, benign than that. They might just. Talk to you because you've built a relationship with them and you Mm. might ask them some questions and they might feel comfortable to share information. I don't, I don't think it's always about people, um, feeling dissatisfied or I think it, I think it can sometimes be more about the relationships that you've established with those people and the level of trust that you can build because you provide them with anonymity and you, um,
1: protect them. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: What is the vibe around reality labs? I have definitely heard of people returning to Facebook because they had the opportunity to work in this department and not on, you know, kind of the news feed. There does seem to be the sense that Mark's attention is laser focused on this product and this division. Like, is is that where all the juice is right now?
3: I think, I think there is a lot of attention on this division. Um, it's, you know, more than 10,000 people, I believe, are in, are working in reality labs, which again is the part of Facebook that does the AR and VR work. Um, they have a metaverse team. So they, they're, they're constantly growing. They're investing a lot of money into this area, into this work. Um, they're losing a lot of money too. And that's the, that's the result of, of all this, um, energy, but they, There is buzz around it. I think people do really want to work there. Um, there's also, you know, there's also some exits. Like you do see some movement there on the other side. And I think that's across the business. I think if you look at the big picture of Facebook and where they're putting energy, I do think it's the metaverse, but I also think it's, it's ads product or ads in general, right? Because the ads business is under stress. And so you've got this tension happening where they're pushing toward the metaverse, but and that that's a real leap of faith because it's so expensive, and 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 the, and the innovation is going to take a while to really pan out. Um, but then you've got the revenue engine sort of sputtering, right, because of what Apple implemented and with mm-hmm. the tracking restrictions. So I think there is a tension going to ads and to finding solutions uh, or new ways to um, to sort of um, figure out, figure that out. How do we how do we um, Operate in a in a world without <laughs> targeting, you know that's that's a conundrum that they're trying to work through, and they've been open about that. And again, that was discussed in earnings what they're trying to do there, but that's requiring a lot of energy and um and resources. And so, I, I think those are the two, at least from my reporting. I've been focusing a lot of my attention on ads and on the metaverse because I see yeah. those, I see that as as the as the push forward, but also the the, the tension or the drag because they need to, they need to get growth happening for investors to feel comfortable with the degree of spending on, on the metaverse. And we, and we saw that, right? Like the growth, the revenue growth was still there. It's still a, it's still a growing company, but it's, it's significantly dropped. And that's got to be a worry when you're looking out to a very exciting 2030. What, what's happening in between?
1: It is amazing how big that campus is. Um, they, right below the San Francisco airport, for people who are not familiar, it's a town called Burlingame. And they took over Burlingame Point, which is like right on the bay. Uh, and they have, you know, almost a million square feet. It's like 750,000 square feet of offices. If you just Google Burlingame Point, you'll see it. And it's quite a, um interesting place. Right off of Coyote Point, there's like a whole area where people go kite surfing and stuff it's
0: you can see why they're all in on remote work because it's also going to be underwater in like 20 years <laughs> <laughs> seriously no. there's like all these projections that are like it's i mean real it's a really real issue for the campus like sea level oh, rise. Really? yeah
1: huh. interesting yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a major project over there it's going to be very interesting to see this dogfight. who do you think is going to win apple apple microsoft Facebook, meta google or meta yeah.
3: Well, I'm a journalist so I'm objective. No opinions <laughs> over here. <laughs> Who's
0: got the
1: biggest who, who do people in the industry think have the best chances of succeeding? Like what's the consensus if they if you had to look at those four major On players? the hardware
3: front? I mean, I think Apple is very formidable. No one's going to dispute yeah. that, right? I mean, they've they've done amazing stuff and they they own the operating system. They've yeah, I mean I think Apple's incredible. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that that means that Facebook will fall, but I I do think Facebook has a lot of big challenges ahead of it. And it's, um, you know, it's DNA is in software. Again, I don't Mm. think anyone would dispute that. So it'll be interesting Mm. to see, but yeah, the Burlingame campus is kind of an embodiment of the whole metaverse operation, right? Big, new, sprawling, going to house many, many people. And, um, yeah.
1: It just shows how serious they're taking this. Like, they're literally built a second campus. It's almost like they're like, here's our old business, Frank Gehry, beautiful buildings over here in East Palo Alto. And then if you go a little north in Burlingame, like, here's the future set of gorgeous buildings and campus. Yeah, it
0: is really interesting. But I love your point about how they have to keep the core business going, like, to fund it long enough for it to take off. Yeah,
3: I must say, I mean, I I started covering this beat during COVID last year, so I haven't really had the joy of seeing a lot of the um, campus life around facebook so hopefully i can get out well, there i and, mean so you just yeah come never out seen the main campus
1: <laughs> all you got to do is come out here and stay at an airport hotel it's like literally <laughs> right next to it <laughs> <It's> pretty good <laughs> just ride your bicycle around there you're gonna get 20 more contacts because they're all hanging out over there in fact i don't know if you saw this that but sounds great they were sharing some photos of a store in burlingame so burlingame is this little tony town with like a apple store and a sephora and all that stuff and I don't know where the store is. I don't know if you you saw this, but uh, they were sharing some Facebook. People were sharing it on Facebook and Instagram this past week. They have a Burling game Oculus store. Yeah. Opening. Oh, really? So,
0: Do they have yeah. any other storefronts? Oculus storefronts? Is that
1: the only one? Oh, fascinating. No. I mean, that's
0: the first. Mm.
1: Yeah. And they had pictures of like their team over there. They have a, uh, uh, a Facebook store or an Oculus store Burling game to find a picture of it to share with the audience, but Meta Store. Huh. But yeah, they um they were over there, um, and I I don't know if people are I don't know if it's open yet. Oh.
3: Someone commented that they opened a reality labs office in Montreal. Big team. I didn't know that.
1: Huh. Oh. Montreal. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you, I mean, James. Following following the job listings and where they're finding people, I, there is a lot of um, hiring going on in Canada because you can get. Um, visa is easier you know here in the united states we don't believe in bringing talent to the country anymore for some insane reason with 11.4 million jobs still available um so it's just easier if you had somebody from india or europe or south america and you couldn't get them into the u.s just drop them off in a waypoint in canada and they can work in your facebook office there all right listen thanks for coming on the show keep us informed uh, as you learn more and we're really monitoring this space as it uh heats up and we'll i think next time we'll be doing this in uh in a Facebook, uh, in a meta paragraph. Put the on? Let's Cambria. try it. Let's yeah. try it. I don't know if this yeah. named Cambria. What's what's the real name going to be? They got to come up with a better name than Cambria. Terrible name. Well,
3: the, uh, there's a theme in the code names that the story touches on, which is California place names. Mm-hmm. You know, like Central Coast. Cardiff. Yeah. Winston, Winston. Wait a yeah. second. That was, Did they that steal was that new- from
1: Apple? Wasn't that Apple's thing where like, they named the <laughs> OS results? Big Sur. And Monterey. And Yosemite. Yep. God, Zuckerberg just <laughs> comes to everybody's any... ideas.
0: He's no, no a... ideas are new. None. Not he's a single idea is
1: new. No, he literally has never had an original idea in that no. robotic brain of his. No. He just like scans other people and steals their ideas. Scans I'm saying them. that, not you. <laughs> no, he just, I mean, it's like. No, I literally because he's such an android. He's like. Brrr. It's like basically doing employee service for the Bay Area to be like, we're going to name this one. Monterey, and we're going to name this one. You know, Yosemite. Or just like a Pixar movie. It's yeah, just anyway. like, yeah, everything in the bay.
0: Sylvia's and... like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm a reporter. <laughs> like, <laughs> no comment from I me. I would like to go now. <laughs> this is the
1: other side of the fence where we get to have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <we> to <laughs> <talk, but we laughs> just yeah. randomly give our opinions. Great job. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for thank coming, the Thanks, Sylvia. Guys, thank you. I'm going to quickly explain one crucial type of insurance that all startups need. It's DNO insurance. You've heard of this before. You might not know what it is. This is directors and officers insurance, and it helps if somebody does something dumb and you get sued. I don't know how to tell you more plainly, or maybe you didn't do something dumb and some dumb person decides to sue you for a dumb reason. I have seen this. I've seen all flavors of it. You need to have, DNO. it's just part of growing up as a startup. And if you don't have business insurance, but well, you're going to have failed. One of the first steps of being a founder, the best place to look for it is in broker and brokers technology is going to save you time It's going to save you money. Prices are up to 20% lower and you get better coverage than the incumbents. You can go from sign up to quote and purchase in just 10 minutes. When you work with in broker, instead of all those slow incumbents, you're not dealing with those giant lumbering large companies sign up takes days, not weeks. And the process is transparent. There is no opaque pricing. So to instantly buy custom built insurance for startups, go to Imbroker.com slash twist. While you're there, you're going to get an extra 10% off by using the code twist. Easy to remember this week in startups T W I S T. Go to Imbroker, e m b r o k e r E M B R O K E R.com slash twist and use that offer code T W I S T. All right, in other news today. The SEC, which has been severely understaffed uh, and has, let's face it, probably been uh, pretty slow to react to all the crypto crime grifts, frauds that are going on. I mean, they they do uh, they take select actions for egregious cases, but it's it's been pretty slow. Yeah, um, we'll check. They out, seem, I could say, yeah, I, yeah, under resourced. I think would probably be the most charitable. Probably, but- yeah.
0: Well, and and also in classic American style, sort of like waiting to see. The tech does tend to lead regulation here. And so I think yeah. that probably federal authorities have been like, waiting to see where Bitcoin and crypto are going to go. And now really? they're like, "Uh oh, it's going pretty bad. It's going pretty Let's bad. get in the <laughs> game.
1: <laughs> and it's going a little too fast. So what what, what was the announcement here uh, in terms of enforcement from the SEC in the crypto so space? The SEC has now renamed its cyber
0: unit, the SEC crypto assets and cyber unit, and we'll be adding 20 new positions so the unit sits inside the division of enforcement will have about 50 employees after all these positions are filled so uh, tiny and those will be i know i mean that really to police i don't know all the business activity in america yeah. <laughs> you would think that there would 500? be 500 more I mean, than yeah. ooh, i would think it'd be 500 but okay, just the, just the cyber part this is yeah. just the cyber part which isn't that big a part of american business so you can see why 30 people is probably plenty
1: ooh. what. <laughs> and you think about it, like they, they, they literally named it from SEC cyber unit, and they put the crypto first, right? So it, so it kind of shows big, like maybe the a a cyber town. crime aspect of this is n- not that big, but crypto is such a huge part of the economy. Now, it's just such a big footprint in terms of dollars, and so much at stake. And yeah. so many parts, so many Americans participating. That is the key. Yeah. The number of Americans participating in this is, is you know, in the millions to 10s of millions now.
0: So SEC uh, chair Gary Gensler stated in a press release, quote, the SEC will be better equipped to police wrongdoing in the crypto markets while Mm -hmm. continuing to identify disclosure and controls issues with respect to cybersecurity. The main objective is to make sure investors are protected. All those like retail investors who are in the crypto markets, Uh, it will, quote, focus on investigating securities law violations related to crypto asset offerings, crypto asset exchanges, Lending and staking products, decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and stable coins.
1: Okay. So, you know, this is really becoming acute because now there have been a lot of hacks, as we've seen, Mm -hmm. and the market is coming apart. So, um, we're here now in, you know, the second decade of crypto. And, you know, it's, it's one of these situations where we had that wormhole hack um you know the solana ethereum one that was february that was 325 million yeah the ronin Ax infinity one was 540 million and then you had the poly network uh, in august of last year that was over 600 um i think the hacker returned the funds there it was yeah, some sort of white, was hat, like a white hat it was a yeah. test so wh- what's interesting here is just reading into this i think um the stakes have gotten larger And now the market's coming apart when the when the market's going up and people are winning. They don't call their local DA and say I got scammed don't call the police and say somebody took my grandma's money and made her. They talked her into buying some gold mine in you know, the West somewhere in California. Well, here we go this era of, you know, everything goes up stonks go up, you know, crypto goes up just buy stuff and it goes up. That's over and it's rocket. Yeah, now it's the opposite. Now it's like, okay, even the great companies, even the great projects, even the ones that are building real tech are going down. And so when you see that happen, that means there's gonna be a lot of enforcement, and uh, they need more more help doing it. But here's something that would solve the problem. And you would need to do less enforcement if people were more educated. So the SEC's mission is also to educate, Mm -hmm. I think investors and have them be better at managing uh, and avoiding these scams, managing their money, avoiding the scams. So if you look at their SEC's feed, They do a lot of like educational stuff. And so there's education going on here. And then there's enforcement going on here. Great. Educating in advance. And then you have, uh, you know, on the back end for bad actors, um, taking action. There's something in the middle, which is accreditation, uh, and people being able to get certified that they are sophisticated enough to know what they're doing. So if we have 6% of the country or so is an accredited investor, they don't need a lot of protection here. They're sophisticated in the uh, minds of the SEC. They can do what they want with their money, including making bad bets on stupid things mm-hmm. at high prices because mm-hmm. they're sophisticated. You, listen, if you made two or three hundred mm-hmm. thousand dollars last year mm-hmm. and free the last smart. two years. Yeah. Well, like you can't be dumb and get to that. Um, I mean, it'd be very hard to be dumb and to make two or three hundred thousand dollars. And not saying it's not possible. I'm sure we right, could right, come up right. with three or four examples off the top of our heads, but it's not probable. mm mm-hmm. Um, possible but not probable and it's not going to be repeatable. Yes, you know, yeah. somebody who is, you know, yeah. got that much money. Okay, yeah, they get taken at a poker game or, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, some bad investment. Hopefully they're, hopefully they're smart enough to not put their entire net worth into it because they've made money before. Yeah, okay. Yep. Now let's let's go one step down, you know, people who are middle class to upper middle class. They make between fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year and $150,000 a year. They should really target that group of people next. Yeah, and they should say, "Listen, we know you want to play. We know you make enough money that you know you can lose some, but you're maybe don't have as much money as those six percent at the top of the hill. We just want you to take this course. You can do it at home. Here's twenty five different providers. If you want to do crypto, you want to do private companies, you want to do collectibles. You know, you want to buy Nike shoes. You know, and Air Jordans. You want to buy baseball cards." We just want you to understand diversification. We want you to understand the history of these things. And uh, we want you to just be a little more savvy. So take mm-hmm. this course for four hours. And uh, take this test and answer these 30 questions. Now they do that. You know, you could have half the country be chopped off from having to have enforcement action taken because they were naive. Mm-hmm. And then we can just keep going down the line because I, I suspect as you go down. The number of people who want to participate also goes down, right? And and also the damage goes down, right? Yeah. Uh, so the, the potential for a big hole can go down because uh, well, they maybe don't have as much liquid net worth to spend.
0: I sort of feel like related to that, too, is that the, the, uh, the rules around what constitutes a security, the rules around what part of this industry need rules are still pretty uh-huh. vague. So the SE, like there isn't yet, I think, a formal determination of what is a security and when, and -hmm. when isn't it a security. Right. And if that regulatory certainty, like it almost feels like they're moving to enforcement before they have moved to clarity. And if there were that clarity, then the education piece that you're talking about would be a lot easier to accomplish. And instead, you've got simultaneously an executive order being like, hey, you guys should totally figure out what's up with crypto. And 20 new people to come in. And so look, some of this is just old fashioned schemes and frauds. So like that part of it isn't even unique to crypto, right? Like a pump and dump fraud is just fraud. There's nothing special about it. And so that that enforcement in that case becomes easy because just like enforce the law.
1: I mean, and people have been doing all those pump and dump things and, you know, uh, all kinds of crime and grift since, you know, uh, money existed, right? Money existed. and People were like, hey, how do I steal more? (laughs) How do I? How do you get that? Okay, let me come up with a clever way to do it. Um, and, you know, there's been this Howey test that's been floating out there. Um, and it was a Supreme Court case for people who don't know. And it was trying to figure out if a transaction, the moving of money from one party to another qualified as an investment contract. If it's an investment contract, it's considered a security. And that means it's subject to all the disclosures and requirements of the Securities Act of 1933. Uh, and this is the quote from it. Um, an investment contract exists if there is an. And qu- I'm quoting here investment of money in a common enterprise with a reasonable expectation of profits to be derived from the efforts of others. Efforts of others uh, is the key part there. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't mm-hmm. the effort of others, it would be you. So it would be work, or you know, and and you would be doing work for money. That would be the right. contract. Here it's right. other people. You're betting on other people to do the work. I.e., you made an angel investment in a company or you bought stock in Netflix. It's pretty clear. People buying these tokens are buying them because they want them to go up in value and that other people are doing work, i.e. building the network. So, if you don't write code and you don't host a node, you're a security holder. Now, yeah. if you host a node and you are mining or you're somehow involved in the building of the software and you own the tokens, um I guess you could it would be a utility to you. It would be you're 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 working in some way for that compensation or to make it go up, um, and so that is going to be complicated. It's kind of like stock. Op- you think of it like stock options right. for people inside a company. Or They're looking like to get them. They're your comp. bond issuer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then here you have this, you know, other group of people. It's pretty straightforward. I just think they haven't run the test enough times on people, yeah, and I think maybe. people should be able to ask the SEC to run the test for them. Pay ten thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars, some fee you know, depending on the scale of your project, to be certified and to actually just get clarity. <laughs> Tell me if I'm a security or not. Right. Make it clear. D- like don't make me
0: make the decision. Don't make me guess and then get arrested down the road because you one of your 20 yeah. people got like, you know, hot under the right. collar. Yeah, I agree. I think you can't it's it's gonna be very tricky. And you can see that in the response to this move already. It's gonna be mm-hmm. very tricky to move to enforcement of rules that you have not totally figured out yet. And you see that, you know, for example, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh apparently the current chief of this unit, the the cyber unit, which used to be the cyber unit, now is this crypto unit, Christina Littman, uh, announced internally that she plans to leave mm. over this potentially. Tom Enner, uh, a, a congressman from Minnesota, tweeted, I wonder how many taxpayer dollars are being wasted in Gary Gensler's personal crusade against the crypto industry, which I don't know. Great, you're a hodler. Mm. but. It does point to the fact that there's going to be a backlash against the idea of trying to enforce a thing that you have not clarified yet.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's um, pretty straightforward here, you know, uh, in terms of what needs to be to happen. The problem is, um, you know, there has to be rules, as you said, like some clarity on the rules. We just have to know what the rules are, right? Yeah. Now, here's the problem. A lot of these projects are innovative and doing things that haven't been done before. And um, they've they have at their central core, you know, some levels of anonymity, anonymity global footprint, and um, the, they're moving so fast that you know maybe uh, adding the friction of the securities market would kill the projects. Yeah. So if you had to know everybody, if you had to KYC everybody, as an example, if you had to file taxes, you know, if you were running a node on some crypto project. And now you have to know everybody who's doing a transaction. You have to know who they are, you know, that would slow it down. We, we mm-hmm. talked yesterday about, you know, Ethereum going down or that, you know, because of the Yugo labs uh, print. You start to add this regulation to infrastructure. So this is what happens you combine securities with infrastructure. Okay, mm-hmm. Uh do. You, can you have that infrastructure perform at a high level of fidelity with the banking rules with securities rules, the answer may be no, it may be too hard to run these networks. uh, And then it takes out some of the magic, which is, I can just have a password in my head and have money and I can unlock it anywhere in the world. Right? That's not how securities work. You know, you don't get to have like a bunch of shares of Netflix, you know, off chain in a wallet somewhere that you unlock, with a sequence of (laughs) words that you memorized and you know, I can give them to you over, you know, uh, some direct transaction. That's not how stocks work. That's, that's not true. how securities work.
0: Maybe that's um, the thing we're figuring out in real time right now, which is how new, yeah, is this? Does it fit into any existing model, or is it right. so fundamentally new that it needs all new rules? And it might be a little bit of both. I think there. I think we need new rules, and it, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I'm so hung up on this because I think like there's value in. Protecting people from fraud and there's value in protecting people from losing their shirts, but also like you can't enforce rules that don't exist yet. Like just yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can actually have some
1: sympathy for crypto projects or where like they want you to do the right thing, and it's an unclear uh, you know what the right thing is here. Yeah, I, you know I I would actually give the majority of crypto um, projects the benefit of the doubt and say if the, if it was if there were fees to be paid or there was a bank you could or you know or a, an accounting firm or a process where you could, you know, do the requirements and the requirements were clear and you checked a box and you filled out an application and you had a license. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of them would want to do it since they're well funded and they can afford a lawyer to to manage these things. Um and then if yeah. they were under a certain footprint, as I've said a couple times here, you could have certain zones of free experimentation under 100 million dollars, under 10 mm-hmm. million dollars and those would be called experiments. And if we said, hey, this is the experimental startup rule and just call them startups because that's what they are the the experimental tech you know startup rule projects under 10 million dollars in funding there's no rules (laughs) you know you can you know and anybody who participates in them lose all you want bro lose all you want (laughs) you you sign a waiver hey listen i'm going this is like super speculative and if we had that then we could take advantage of that too we could say hey you know we're investing in this meditation app or this cab company nobody knows if it's going to work You know, you're gonna you can put up to ten thousand dollars in, there's a cap per person, and this cap of ten million dollars or you know, a hundred million dollars, whatever it is. And okay, you know, you can only have a hundred thousand people and the max investment's ten thousand, the the average is a thousand. Yeah. And we know what the size of the hole is gonna be. You know, if this thing craters, it's gonna be a thousand per person and a hundred million dollars. That would make the SEC's job so easy and it would be so easy to explain to Americans. These are called risk assets. Mm-hmm. And you can invest in a risk asset uh, asset. It has to be called a risk asset in the title of the company. You know, yep. Uber, comma, risk asset, LLC, totally. whatever. Like we already it's have a, a framework for that.
0: It's not even, we already have a framework for that and we could apply it. All right. We could probably yeah. do this all day. Yeah. But uh, we have many Speaking other shows to record to you for yeah. you in advance that you will hear later.
2: <laughs> all right.
0: But that's where we're going to leave it today.
2: Okay.
1: See you soon, everybody. See you soon, everybody. Have a great uh, Tuesday, the worst day. T- Tuesday, enjoy Tuesday. Two- enjoy the climb. If you get past today and tomorrow, it's downhill. So just just make it through today, everybody. <laughs> what fresh hell is Tuesday? <laughs> Tuesday, <laughs> Oof. it's okay. like not the hum day. It's the climb day. Today's we the, did the a, peak. The day. climb day. I really like it's that. The climb. We yeah. got the climb day. This is the hardest part of the climb.